everybody. I'm your host, Lisa Shield. Welcome to Dating Without Drama, where I give you my unique take on everything related to men, love, dating, and romantic relationships. My practical yet spiritual approach to getting emotionally naked and attracting what I call a guardian of your soul will be music to your ears. So let's get started. Hello, everybody. I'm Lisa Shield, and I have the most wonderful special guest today. I am so excited. There are not words to tell you. The incredible Dr. Prudence Hall. Prudence is my hormone doctor, and she has changed my life. Prudence is based in Los Angeles, in Santa Monica. Well, first of all, how long have I been seeing you? It's probably eight or 10 years now. Long time. Yes. When my husband sees you. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yes. So, it's a pleasure. You, yeah, it's a pleasure. Can you tell everybody just a little bit about you? I don't have a bio in front of me or something okay. official to read. So, yeah, okay. tell everyone how you got started a little bit about what you do and the miracles that you work in people's lives. Thank you, Lisa. So I wanted to be a gynecologist when I decided I wanted to be a doctor. Rather late in life, I was 22. And my work with developing countries and international relations led me to think, I really want to work with women. It, It was a time that the women's movement was really building. And I thought, you know, why aren't there some women gynecologists? And I I was raised in a family of of four girls and my youngest brother. So, you know, sister, sisterhood. And when I went to USC, I went to medical school there and as well as my gynecology residency, I I thought I knew everything about women. You know, it's a surgical subspecialty. We're doing surgeries and we were doing thousands of deliveries. And I came out into private practice into the best group in Santa Monica, wonderful, wonderful group. And I started seeing my menopausal patients. And I realized, Lisa that I knew nothing about menopause. And it it was just like, I I almost wanted to quit because it's like, I've I've devoted eight years, come on to medical, to medicine and to gynecology and and in terms of training. And I don't know something this basic. And women were were upset and said, how can you do this? And, you know, there must be a better way. So really within the first year of my practice, which was the early eighties, I graduated in 1982. I started going back to France, which is where I'd been living a lot of my life. And they were using bioidentical hormones. Uh, bought them back and I immediately started using them with my patients and bioidentical hormones are the same hormones that we make, you know, biochemically. And what I was using was I was using Primarin, which I haven't used that in three or four decades now, but it was the pregnant horse's urine, which is not identical to women's bodies. And I was also using Provera, when I first came out of USC, out of my residency, I realized very rapidly in practice that it was really a harmful hormone. So I went from using these traditional hormones, which I'd been trained in, to using the natural hormones. And oh, Lisa, you know, my really, I would say, avocation within the field of gynecology mm-hmm. just changed. It's so like, were you, were you one of the first people to start doing that? I'm one of the pioneers. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, a Jonathan Wright was also, uh, you know, very, very early as a naturopathic doctor. I respect him and love him very much. Uh, so I'm one of the earlier people who really started mm-hmm. using these hormones. And then at least as I, as I went on, I realized it's not, you know, menopause is not just a loss of ovarian hormones. 
It's a loss of your thyroid. It's a loss of adrenals. It's a loss of all of our hormones. All of them. And, and a lot of people may not realize that thyroid and, you know, you, you give people mega adrenals. I mean, you, you address all of these things. Like I have a girlfriend who you're now working with, who had seen another doctor. And I don't know that this person was a qualified hormone specialist. And she actually messed up her hormones more. And I think she missed the adrenals and the thyroid. But you really look at everything. And I wouldn't have even, I didn't know that thyroid and the adrenals would be considered hormones as well. Is that accurate? Yes, there are about four to five major hormone systems. So the thyroid, mm -hmm. ovaries, mm -hmm. the adrenal glands, which are sitting on the back of our kidneys, and then this pituitary gland, which makes HGH, human growth hormone, you know, then the skin hormone, which is the sunshine hormone. The skin is a big endocrine gland. And then you would have the sugar in the insulin, which is pancreatic. So, you know, this is our operating system. And as oh. we age, they decline. When you're assessing a client, like if a woman is not feeling great, you know, we think about menopause starting around what age typically? Well, typically 44 to 48 or 49. That's the sort of the window. But women's hormones start to change in their mid thirties. And women are told, first of all, their hormones are never measured. I wasn't taught to measure hormones. I was taught to measure one hormone, check the FSH. If it's above 20, put them on permanent and prepare. See them in a year. That was my training for menopause and uh, best residency in the country. I mean, fabulous residency, you know, but it was, it, it just wasn't known. Women's health has been ignored and it is no longer being ignored because women are questioning their doctor and participating in their care and they're reading, uh, you know, it's wonderful the way knowledge is being transmitted more rapidly now. So you have women as early as in their mid to late thirties, whose hormones are starting to shift, who Absolutely. aren't even aware of it. And Prudence, let's speak to those women first. Like what would they start noticing? What would be some of the signs because they start feeling fatigue or they're not as sexual, or, but these things come up and then they never even think to address that that could be hormonal. That's right, Lisa. I think a lot of women in our busyness, raising children, our careers, our partners, taking care of older parents, we lose track of who we are. You know, it's really a privilege to be able to focus inward more to know what the body's doing. So a lot of women come to me and they just say, I don't want, I don't know what's going on, Prudence, but I'm not feeling well. I don't feel myself. And as we start teasing out what the symptoms are, there are things like more fatigue, foggy memory, this kind of deadness in the sexual area. It's just like, you know, what libido, no libido, you know, usually women start saying that the orgasms are more difficult a little bit later on, but in their thirties, it's overwhelm. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know why I'm not happier. I used to be so sunny and happy and mm -hmm. I'm just feeling more, I'm irritable. And I'm, I'm, you know, kind of yelling at the kids or yelling at my partner or I'm angry at work. And it's like, I understand these are all symptoms. Weight gain could be two pounds. It could be five. It could be 10. And menopause women will gain an average of 30 pounds. Some women come in with 60 and, you know, menopause, everyone goes through it. It's the great equalizer. It's, it, it takes away our life source or our soul's journey because really we're on this beautiful journey as women. Wow. And so these younger women, you know, if they're feeling, because right now the big word, the buzzword is burnout. 
like everybody's feeling burned out from overwork, being a single mother with kids, whatever. But what I'm hearing you say is that if you're 38 or 36 and you're feeling burned out, it could be your adrenals. It could be hormonal. It's not a matter of, oh, you need to drink some more coffee or have some more power drinks or whatever, but that it might really be a wise thing even that early to have your hormones checked. That is so well said. Because this burnout really relates to the adrenal glands that are deficient. But if you have less estradiol, less Mm -hmm. testosterone, and less adrenals all at the same time, one plus one plus one equals 25, not just adrenal burnout with a few hormones. You know, so it, it really intensifies. The more hormones or systems that are less than optimal, the more intense the symptoms are. And I just want to interject that the birth control pill, and I learned this probably five years out in private practice, that my young girls, 18, 16, 20, on the birth control pill came in with similar symptoms as my menopausal patients. And after a while, it's just like, wait, what is going on? So I started measuring hundreds of these women and I found out that their hormones look like my menopausal women's patients. So birth control pill. Yeah. So I am always saying, please don't take the pill. There are other methods of birth control. We want to control our reproduction. That's essential. We want to have children or not have children when we want to. And I mean, now it's just like, I've seen so many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and, you know, thousands of women in this situation that now I know that most women don't do well on the birth control pill. Now, some women do, or some women right. get used to it. Like some, some women will come and say, look, my brain's not functioning. I have ADHD and I'm depressed. And it's like, when did it start? And they'll say the end of high school. I said, what happened the end of high school? When did you start the pill? They said the end of high school. And so it lowers our estrogen levels. You know, oh. a normal estrogen level is 150, 200. Pill users have levels that are 15, 20. Something that I heard, and you can, of course, NPR is my major source of news. <laughs> so... Um, for what that's worth. I'm curious, something that I had heard was that when they first created the birth control pill, today, from what I understand, women can go without having a menstrual cycle, taking the birth control pill. But before, when I was younger, when it first came out, they would have you be off it for, I think, seven days or five days. And it gave you, from what I understand, a false period that it wasn't really a period. And that one of the reasons that they had done it was for religious reasons, that a lot of religious institutions would not accept the pill or wouldn't accept the birth control if a woman didn't have a natural cycle, didn't have a cycle. Never heard that. So much for that. So what happens is the birth control pill stops ovulation. Don't ovulate and we can not get pregnant. I mean, you know, you need to ovulate when you when you get pregnant. That's when you release the egg. And what happens is the birth control pill cuts off the connection between the pituitary gland and the ovary because the brain's always talking. Yeah, I need a little more estrogen. I need this. I need that. Give me that. I need more energy. So it talks to all the endocrine glands and it manages thirst and sleep and, you know, all of those functions too. So the pituitary gland doesn't talk to the ovary and it's not getting any messages from the, from the brain saying it needs more estrogen. So estrogen levels plummet, just plummet. So then the body, there's a long-term effect on the body. You know, I just, I think it leads to a natural question. 
we see things like The Handmaid's Tale or whatever, and you think about how prophetic that was that so many women today are having trouble conceiving. They're having trouble getting pregnant. Why? I think one of the things that I've learned about the birth control pill is really that not all women recover from it. So some women, when they've been on the birth control pill for many years, the pituitary gland doesn't reconnect to the ovary. And so I start getting little tiny bits of these bioidentical hormones to bring back. And then I start cycling a little bit of natural progesterone bioidentical, the same as our own hormones. And sometimes that'll start it. And then I use herbs. Uh, pregnancy prep is a, is a great one by Tanica, by Vitanica. There are all kinds of these herbs to help reset the pituitary gland also. But that's, I mean, I, I was really surprised when I started seeing this more frequently. Now, a certain yeah. amount of women just, you know, have problems getting pregnant, but this was specifically in the, the pill users category. Now, most women do get pregnant, right? So this is a very small percentage of women, but nevertheless, you know, suppressing the natural hormones unnaturally <laughs> is not a healthy solution. So Prudence, do you also have women who are having trouble conceiving come to you to look at their hormones and to see if maybe that might be one of the reasons why? Lisa, you know, I actually had three miscarriages during the process of having my three children. And this was so long ago I mean, literally right as I was getting out of my residency program, I'd been out of it for like a year and a half in private practice, is I didn't even know that the reason I was having miscarriages was because I had undetectable low thyroid. So, you know, we do a pregnancy uh, uh, kind of prep with clients to see if they're ovulating, to make sure their thyroid is ideal. Are they having burnout? Are they sleeping? You know, it's sort of a hormone tune-up before you get pregnant. And it really helps women get pregnant. So and if somebody is listening to this and she's struggling and she is having trouble getting pregnant, it might be a wonderful thing for that woman to call you and to do some testing and see if maybe something is off with her hormones and that that could be contributing to why she might be having trouble. Absolutely, Lisa. Subtle hormone changes or deficiencies can affect every aspect of our life. Subtle. I mean, as I said, moods and weight and brain function, you know, just really every cell in our body is affected and run by hormones. So of course, it's so easy just to look and to say, check, 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 check. Oh, this is a little deficient. Let's fix it. Check, check, check. I wish, one of my wishes here, can I get a wish on your show? <laughs> of course. First of all, one of my wishes is that you stay as beautiful and as uh, much a guide to women as you have been really helping you. Yeah enormous part of life satisfaction and life purpose. <laughs> and uh -huh. the same thing is that everybody gets their hormones checked in their 20s just to yeah. check it. And that's a baseline. So we really know what we're dealing with. It helps. Smart. That's really, really, really smart. So if a woman is having trouble conceiving, she really should be checked by a really experienced hormone doctor. And it's important, I think, for anyone who's listening to know that there's a difference between just your GP, you know, your general practitioner doing like checking your hormones and working with somebody who's truly qualified 
where this is an area of specialization, as with any aspect of medicine, because I know many, many, many women who their general practitioner will say, you know, in the same way that they prescribe, you know, drugs for ADHD or whatever, you need to go to a specialist for those things. But a lot of, you know, primary care physicians will just write prescriptions and it's not the same. So one of the things I learned about the thyroid from checking so many, actually thousands of women, is that 40% of women are walking around with insufficient thyroid hormone, either to get pregnant or to have the energy, right, Lisa, Mm -hmm. to have the energy or to have their brain function or to have, you know, skin that's not dry or not to be constipated. And that, I would call it subclinical hypothyroidism or lower deficient thyroid. It's just not recognized. Whereas in Europe, they're really starting to recognize that. And they've changed the values as to what is normal and what is not. We still have standards for our thyroid that's probably 15, 20 years old. (laughs) And we need to update the way we look at the thyroid and other hormones. Yeah. And it gets, what you're saying is it gets stepped over. It just gets overlooked by many physicians. Whereas I was surprised when you put me on thyroid, you know, when you, I mean, it's not a lot, but you put me on thyroid. I would have never known that. It's not something any of my other doctors had looked at. What did you feel, you know, that might've changed when you went on thyroid? Did you feel anything different or it was just the whole kind of orchestra of hormones? You know, it's really interesting, Prudence, because, you know, I've been to the Amen Clinic. They diagnosed me. I wanted to understand ADD and I wanted to understand my levels of that, like how how severe it was and not have it be something hypothetical. So I really wanted to understand that. What's interesting is when I was much younger, who knows, I could have had some hormonal imbalances. I have no idea. But for most of my young life, I didn't feel well. I felt like I was in a fog. I feel better now then I, I mean, I feel like a kid every day I wake up, I'm clear, I'm healthy. And I know that that's in part because of the hormones. For me, it is continuing uh, delight Mm -hmm. to see women go from their place where they're starting to, to this kind of radiance that Lisa, you truly exemplify. Uh, One of the reasons why I was so happy to come on your program is because we're on a similar trajectory in terms of being, you know, I mean, it's three and a half decades that I've really devoted for my professional life with hormones. And you for years, countless years, you've been forming this and creating this. So we both want women to be radiant on their soul journey. And how do you really do that? I mean, it's, it's like all the stuff that you're doing and then the stuff that I'm doing to balance hormones and to create this physical kind of radiance. And you're working with the emotions and the, it, it's just fascinating how it intersects. How, how would you say it kind of intersects? You know, I would say just from my own self-prudence, I remember when I first came to see you and there's so much, you know, conversation just People build up belief systems around what to do, what not to do, what medications to take, what not to take. And there's so much stuff out there. And I see what you're doing is, you know, first of all, if somebody doesn't feel good, if a woman feels old and aging and like her life force is just draining out of her, how is she going to go out and date? How is she going to feel sexy? 
How is she going to look in the mirror and say, you know what? Like I'm 60 years old. I look and feel better at 60 than I did at 45 or 50. To me, I love the face I see looking back at me in the mirror. You know, I get to feel great about that. And I remember you saying to me, Lisa, you know, there are so many incredible benefits to this. And you, you know, you started listing, you know, vaginal dryness. I mean, you look at my reports, my tests and like my, like the thickening of the vaginal walls. And, you know, I don't have pain when I have intercourse. I can, you know, I mean, I can have wonderful intercourse with my husband. And, you know, I talk to women where it's painful and, and they can't, but I'm able to enjoy a beautiful, healthy sex life, which is fabulous. My skin looks beautiful. My bones are strong because of the hormones. And I mean, I look at my legs and my (laughs) butt and my, you know, and I'm like, damn, you know, for a 60 year old woman, that's not so bad. And then that all bad at all. And I'm 70 and I feel, I feel like I'm 30 in terms of right you know, it really helps. Estrogen really helps the brain. So it centers the brain mm-hmm. and grounds it. It gives us confidence. And I think that yeah. when I think about dating, you know, the confidence to be able to go up to somebody, you know how my daughter met her husband? She was in a bar. Uh-huh. She, she's like 5'11". She looked around and she saw the tallest guy in the room. She went over and she said, you're the tallest guy in the room. I thought I'd come over and say hi. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, that kind of confidence that I know you too. Yeah. You know, we have to create an opening in, in order for people to see our radiance, really. So, you know, testosterone creates confidence, having energy, looking at yourself in the mirror and feeling worthwhile and beautiful, which comes from the inside, comes from the heart, uh, but also comes some from the skin and the hair, too. So, yeah, and my, you know, the hair, I mean, you, you ah. also have me on saw palmetto and stuff, but to have shiny hair at this age is a big deal, you know, not to look at my hair and just see it brittle and breaking off. That stuff really eats away at your confidence. And I'm not a woman where like, I, I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not in denial about my age. I mean, I'm proud of my age. I will tell like you, I will tell anybody how old I am. You know, I feel great, but I, I think that this is to me, I think it was a game changer. I have a question for you that I think a lot of women will be at, you know, wanting to know. Bioidentical hormones are not human hormones. They match human hormones. So explain how they make what you call bioidentical hormones, Prudence. You know, it doesn't come from cow urine or whatever, but... Excellent, excellent question. Yes. So some people call the hormones that pharmaceutical companies make as synthetic, but really everything in this day and age is synthesized. We know Mm -hmm. the genetic makeup. We know the chemical makeup of practically everything in this day and age. And so from soy and yams... They're mm-hmm. able to extract and to create our own hormone. And Lisa, thank God your hormones are the same as mine. Mm-hmm. Now, 
when I replace them, they're replaced in individual ways and in individual dosing. And, you know, it's highly individualized medicine, also genetics medicine, but they are the same hormones. So these are created in pharmaceutical houses. And what I do in my practice is I put them into an olive oil base uh, with only two other ingredients, along with the FDA approved hormones so that I can individualize the doses from one woman to the next. And the non-bioidentical hormones would be things like the Provera, which is a progesterone, medroxyprogesterone. It's not progesterone that we make. So science engineered our own hormones and said, well, we want to be able to get a patent on it. <laughs> and so we're going to add this extra little thing to it. And, you know, really in the forties, I would say they were just struggling to stop women from going into old TV sanitariums or from getting electroshock therapy from the terrible depression. And, you know, that's when they were experimenting and put these catheters in the pregnant horses and got prim marin. Prim <laughs> is pregnant, mare, horse, in is urine. And it, it took, years for them to realize it's not the same hormones that we make. And I'd like to just say that there's no soy left. A lot of people are allergic to soy. There's no yam left. It's just the pure hormone itself. So this is where science really meets individual medicine and individualized medicine. Yeah. And I happen to have this sitting right here, just out of coincidence, because I had to order some more. But you use the cream. And this is nice because this is a little dispenser and you just click, 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 and you rub it not on your arms. You rub it on your tummy, your butt, your let, you know, your thighs. I do it twice a day, right? Once in the, in the morning when I get up and then at night, why do you choose the creams there? Now, some people do the pellet under the arm and some people do cream. And then there, I know I take a progesterone pill, but why the cream instead of the pellet? So Lisa, I actually have about five methods for each hormone that mm -hmm. I use. So okay. for estrogen, I use cream. The reason I like it is that as your heart beats, it slowly goes into your bloodstream mm -hmm. and it passes throughout your whole body before it's broken down in the liver. I use vaginal inserts. Mm -hmm. I, have, uh, uh, I have trochees that, that I use under the tongue. I have drops that I use. Mm -hmm. I also use the patch, which is a pharmaceutical solution, but it is bioidentical natural hormones. Our patient, unfortunately, uh, yesterday <laughs> told me, I, I said, I thought you were in the patch. Didn't we change you? She said, yeah, Prudence, it was $400 a month. I said, no, 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 not with your insurance. And she said, yeah, with my insurance now. That's the high end of price. But, you know, it's, it's also more expensive than the bioidentical hormones generally, unless you have kind of fantastic insurance. But I use the patch, you know, the same thing for progesterone. I use the oral stop. I use the drops. I use cream, uh, especially when we don't need much progesterone. I use vaginal uh, suppositories. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, there's so many different methods of mm -hmm. delivery. Is it absorbing? Got it. So you're looking for the absorption. Yeah. So mm -hmm. when I, when I, I look at the symptoms, I look at the lab values and I look at the downstream effects mm -hmm. that it has on your body. Like, you know, is your brain now functioning? Mm -hmm. Gail Bredesen, a prince of a man, big researcher. And you can see some of his stuff on YouTube. He was the head of the UCLA dementia clinics and Parkinson's clinics. And he's up at Bucks Institute, just a fabulous, fabulous man. And, you know, he has told me over the years, prudence, estrogen is so important for women. It really helps to prevent uh, dementia and Parkinson's and, and various types of decline. And, mm -hmm. and same is true with the thyroid. Same is true with the adrenal gland, the ashwagandha, a lot of pregnenolone, a lot of the adrenal hormones. So 
I want to see when estrogen is low, sugar is higher. With the estrogen that I'm giving, is the sugar lower? Is it coming down? When estrogen is low, the LDL lousy cholesterol is higher. Is that coming down? Mm-hmm. So one of the symptoms is not only the blood work, but it's really, are we reversing the clock? Are we turning back the major bioparameters of aging? And what about prudence? I mean, the natural question that would be on a lot of people's minds is cancer. And Mm -hmm. that many women have been told that these hormones will contribute to breast cancers, uterine cancers. Can Can you speak to that? So the myth really that hormones created breast cancer happened when the women's nurses study was published. It was a big study in 2001. And what it showed that was when women were on Primarin plus Provera, that's both synthetic, I mean, both not bioidentical hormones, that the incidence of breast cancer was greatly increased. And then they looked at the women on Primarin alone and they said, this is weird. That incidence is actually lower gee, maybe we're making mistakes. And then compared to women who took no hormones. So the permanent and Provera are much higher than women who took no, horm- no hormones. Permanent alone, these were in women who had had hysterectomies and didn't need Provera. It was actually lower than women who took no hormones. So, you know, this was really, this started the whole concern about hormones and breast cancer. And when women came off of permanent and Provera, the incidence of breast cancer in the United States actually decreased because Provera is a carcinogen. (laughs) It is not a hormone that women should be taking. And medroxyprogesterone, which is Provera, is not the bioidentical progesterone, which, (laughs) you know, pharmaceutical companies make and they want you to buy and they are bioidentical. So it's one of these things where the data has been coming in fast and furious as to how estrogen does not increase breast cancer. There's a wonderful book that women might want to read. It's by uh, this this Dr. Blooming, and he's an oncologist at USC. So he's you know one of my colleagues at USC. I think he just retired you know this year. But basically, the book is called Estrogen Matters, and he goes into enormous detail about all the studies, all the reasons why estrogen is not increasing breast cancer and ends up by saying, even women who have had breast cancer, they can take estrogen. And a lot of those studies, at least are showing that there's less reoccurrence. But that's kind of where if women come to me and say, I've had breast cancer, I'd like to start hormones. I get an uh, oncological consult to make sure that in their specific case, it's okay. And for the most part, you know, I'm getting the answer more and more from oncologists. It's okay. Now there still are the oncologists who say that it increases breast cancer. That's because they, the breast cancer is estrogen positive. And it's like there are estrogen receptors in the brain, in the muscles, in the tendons, in the bones, in the stomach, in every cell in your body, in your vagina, you know, in the uterus and the, you know, so yes, of course, we're going to have estrogen receptors in the breast and the more normal the breast cancer looks, the more positive estrogen and progesterone receptors will have, you know, that remains to be, you know, seen, but more and more studies are coming out showing that estrogen is pretty much neutral. It's not neutral for the brain, it's not neutral for the bones, it's not neutral for, you know, our emotions or the symptoms, uh, but it is neutral for breast cancer. And Mm -hmm. uh, my board, Lisa, they say the only reason to take hormones is your symptoms or bone loss. And I'm saying, that's very outdated. (laughs) I mean, Uh 
it takes my breath away that we have not moved in a direction that is a little bit more comprehensive and it's a little bit more in a functional medicine approach. We know heart disease is not just due to high cholesterol. Come on. Right. <laughs> you know, it's due, right. to stress, due to high sugars. It's due to uh, genetics. It's due sometimes to the, the LDL cholesterol, but what are happening with the little subfractions? So the same thing with breast cancer, it's multifactorial. You know, you know what the, the big incidence of breast cancer is when it starts, you know, big time mm. menopause menopause we our hormones we lose our hormones and up goes stress up goes inflammation up goes uh, right. sugar up goes ldl cholesterol it gets oxidized so this is a huge peak incidence in breast cancer and women not taking hormones and then again at 75 to 79 in women who have never taken hormones wow there's so much cellular dysfunction in the body due to our operating system being down for 30 years mm-hmm you know, it's so fascinating. One thing I'm really, I've learned myself firsthand is how important it is not to take one person's perspective, you know, one doctor's perspective, but to go and talk to a couple of different people, you know, because I remember re- very recently since I moved to Santa Fe, I went to see a gynecologist and I had run out of my progesterone. <laughs> I know. And I didn't realize I started bleeding, of course. And I didn't know that that I had no clue that if I didn't take the progesterone, that would happen. And then I went to see this gynecologist and, you know, he had his own opinion about the bioidentical hormones. And it was interesting to see. I mean, for me, I've been seeing you, Benjamin's been seeing you for years and we talked about it. But it was good. It was actually, a, you know, it's a, it was a good thing to see another doctor. Even now, you know, I'm seeing two different doctors and it's interesting to double check and not just take anything at face value. It's so important and it is important even for anyone listening, you know, but don't just go to your primary care doctor and think that they are specialists in hormones. It's not the same thing. Yeah, we need to have an extra year, year and a half as part of our residency, gynecological residency, mm-hmm. not not to look at infertility, which, oh, they've done such wonderful things with that, but to look at our female hormones, all of them, because what happens in menopause stays in menopause for the next 40 or 50 years of our life and causes so many symptoms and dysfunction in the body that, you know, I didn't know, Lisa, when I first came out, really, like, you know, you had me tell that story. I really didn't know. And looking back on it, it's like when gynecologists say, oh, that's dangerous. It's like, oh, that's, that's how I used to feel. I, I used to feel that it, it was dangerous too. But, it, you know, when you look at the data, which is now wildly available out there, it's, uh, it's the way to maintain a healthy, vital body to prevent diseases. For example, five years ago, uh, you know, I'm always sending women to, to specialists. So I would send them to cardiologists. Let's check and make sure this slightly elevated cholesterol is not causing heart disease. So the cardiologist would say, you must come off of those hormones immediately. It causes heart disease. Well, that's the primarin that increases heart disease, just like it increases dementia. <laughs> but now the cardiologists are saying, oh yes, estrogen helps prevent heart disease. In fact, I saw a cardiologist and he said, prudence, 
<laughs> Wonderful guy, Dr. Dosey. He said, Prudence, you're never going to get heart disease or heart attack because you're on bioidentical hormones. And it's like, wow. Into the cardiologist database, you know, into their literature. And data is even saying 40% less death from heart disease. Some of the studies, one of the studies out of Cedars and other studies are saying the same thing, that it really decreases and protects women's hearts. Which is a big thing. Right. And heart and, and heart attacks in women are different, the symptoms, but it sounds like this helps with all of that. So let me ask you, let's say a woman is, you know, we we start to enter into menopause somewhere, usually typically around our mid 40s. Is that accurate? Earlier. Earlier. I would say by the time someone is 42, it would be rare for me not to see a lower level of estrogen. Really? So by 42, a woman should have her hormone levels checked. I would love her to check them at 20, 20, right? 22 to have a 30, let's say 30. And and you know, it's a hormone check and it's just like, you're looking pretty good. Look out for these things. Let's check in a year or two. Let's make sure that your hormones are staying set. Most women come to me with quite severe symptoms. I would say that I probably take care of the most difficult cases in the world with menopause because, well, Oprah was very helpful with that, you know, and the person that she chose for me to help, you know, handle her hormones was very instrumental in kind of spreading the word that you do not have to suffer the enormous setbacks in your health, in your moods, depression. How many women are on antidepressants, you know, because they're in menopause? And how many women are on Pepsid in, in GI medication because that's a symptom. GI GERD and you know GI upset bloat is a big symptom of perimenopause and menopause. And we just want to pause there it. for a second. Yeah. GERD acid reflux yes. is a symptom of yeah. perimenopause. What yeah. uh, what are some other symptoms that women wouldn't know that are things that you know are are indications that a woman might be entering menopause? I never heard that before. I want to tell you one of the symptoms I had in perimenopause, and it just it was just like whoa whoa. I'm now asking you know I ask everybody about it, but OCD feeling like I had to be very precise. And I, you know, I was probably 44 and I started thinking that my charts were dirty and I would wear these gloves and I'd walk around with these gloves, you know, holding the charts. And it's like, Prudence, you're acting nuts about this. You know, doorknobs are dirty. And I would sort of like do this kind of stuff. And as soon as I realized, oh my God, this is a perimenopausal symptom, wanting to keep things in order. It just, at least it just went away. It just disappeared. I've helped so many women with their OCD in that way. A lot of pill users become fairly OCD because of their low estrogen. You know, a little bit of paranoia. Well, exhaustion. Oh, exhaustion. Not knowing who you are, feeling that you have lost your sense of self. You know, a lot of self-punishing ways. I'm sure you talk about self-love and Mm -hmm. and yeah, the soul's journey, you know, so a lot of negative thinking, a lot of punishing goes on in the brain towards ourself and towards the people around us. So that that's a key you know, this irritability that can lash out in perhaps rage or uncertainty that I used to know how to handle this. And now I'm not sure that I can do that. Women come to me all the time saying, you know, I was at the top of my field, for example, in fabric designers. I'm one of the top. And, you know, I retired two years ago at the age of like 43, because I just couldn't come up with creative ideas. And now these people are back through their mission, their loves, their creative goals back in their bodies. Mm-hmm. 
It's not just the mind. It's not just the emotions. It's really the wisdom of the bodies, the sway, the movement, the creative mm-hmm. source that comes from that feminine well that you talk about. Mm-hmm. Oh. And fatigue, just not being able to sleep. Yeah. Sleep so suffers. Funny. Yeah, awakening, not being able to go to sleep, awakening at, you know, at two, at three, two to four o'clock. <laughs> That's when menopausal women are awake and pacing the floor, or reading or sweating. Mm-hmm. Um, we are asleep. Yeah. And, and also you start getting hot flashes. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a huge part of menopause or hot flashes. Yeah. A lot of women will come to me and say, Prudence, I can't possibly be in menopause. They're 45. Let's say they're 45. And I'm glancing at these levels that tell me that they're deep in menopause. I mean, deep, like their follicle stimulating hormone is 114. Anything above 20 kind of indicates that you're in menopause, although it can happen at much lower levels too. But I, I think what happens and what I realized, you know, probably two decades ago is that when you burn out your adrenals or when the adrenals can no longer handle the stress, hot flashes stop. So it's ominous for me when I hear women say, yeah, yeah, I used to have these horrible hot flashes and now this stuff is like, oh man, they burned out their adrenals. So we'll, we'll fix them. And I'm looking at the numbers, the, the lab values showing they burned out their adrenals. So that's not a good sign. Really, women who are healthy continue to have hot flashes until they're 90 or until they die. Oh, goody. <laughs> Haven't you, my dear? <laughs> no, I don't have them at all. I remember when I shared a room in a hotel with a girlfriend who was going through severe hot flashes, and it, I I couldn't sleep the whole night. She had the covers were on, the covers were off. She was based. I was like, oh my god, that's the hell that I don't have to enter into. <laughs> Not good for dating, not oh. good for, for wanting to go into that CEO position of the company where you're sweating, you're nervous. So Prudence, you do telemedicine. You can do this over. If I, I, I sent you a girlfriend recently and you looked at her, you got her going. I saw her last weekend. She's, she's doing great. She said, oh my God, I feel human again. Yeah, it was incredible because she was really, really, really in pain. She's just suffering. You know, I, I think they had given her estrogen, but then so much, I don't know, it, it was a mess, but you really looked at everything and got her figured out, but give women an idea of what, you know, kind of what would happen if somebody came to you, how does the, how does it look? Like, what would you do? It's easy. It really is easy. You call the office, they send you a lab slip, they find an appointment for you or else you can book your appointment online at the site. And then my staff will call and say, I'm going to send you the new patient information. You fill that out. And then the next thing, I really have moved a lot to video, Lisa, because Mm -hmm. I don't want people to be mad. I want to see their mouth and I want to see everything about them. And I can get so close to them. It's like, look, here we are. You know, you're looking at me this close. (laughs) Am I having wrinkles? What am I doing? You know, and then we just have a conversation like we're having. And a lot of times I'll screen share and show them their values. And I create a plan. First of all, they they, cut, the first thing they do is have a blood test. They go and they they do do the blood test. You have to do your blood work And the the way that, so you go in and you have your blood work done, right? And then all of that is sent to you before the the, the initial meeting. And then the two, you really go over those blood values. I mean, that was something I was so impressed with was how thoroughly you are checking everything, every single thing, and then really fine tuning 
then you come back. I mean, we did this, I think every three months or something until you got me pretty dialed in. And then after our consult, I either send you the hormones or we get them through another compounding pharmacy. And, you know, sometimes the regular old pharmacy will have, they'll have the progesterone. They don't have really anything else. They don't have testosterone, for example, for women. Mm -hmm any place out there except compounded. But then you get the hormones. And then I have two naturopathic doctors that I work with and Mm -hmm. they'll call and see how you're doing. And then I see the client in about eight to 10 weeks with a new set of more limited hormones. And then we make a balance. And then, you know, maybe four months after that, by four months, women are starting to really cruise. And they can feel better right away, but it takes a while for those hormones to actually create new proteins and weight loss and raise your metabolism and recreate the synapses in the brain. So it takes a while to rebuild. Now you and I meet once a year, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa, you are wonderfully careful and diligent with your life. You're very mindful and you're aware when things are not right and you follow through. I mean, I I love partnering with you because I think that you represent really the potential for all of us to really love ourselves. And if something's happening, not to be frozen and afraid, but to say little problems, little solutions. And to really, but we aren't taught self-care when we're young and we feel like our job is to give to everyone else. And really, we're that precious child that we give to first. And then love flows. We become love. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's, you know, it just, to me, it's really quality of life. And to be very honest, look, something's going to get me. I'm very practical. I mean, my thing is something is going to happen. I can do the very best I can do. And I can, you know, my goal is to feel the best I can every day. But I don't know what's, you know, something. I mean, my my time is going to come up. And I have to say, being on the hormones has given me a quality of life that I know I wouldn't have had if I hadn't done this. And I'm not promoting to anyone do it or don't do it. That's not what I'm saying. But something I don't want to step over, and I really want to say this, and I think it's a really good way to think about, you know, hormones because they're in our bodies and we're not aware, it's not like we're taking something and then feeling the effect of that. It's happening internally. So we are not aware because we're not taking a pill or doing something. When our hormones start to fluctuate or shift, we don't know. We can feel something is off, but we don't know why, because you know, we think I'm working too hard or I didn't sleep well enough or whatever. But if it's chronic, And it doesn't seem to be going away, no matter how much meditation you do, no matter how, you know, you cut out coffee, you do this cleanse or that cleanse, it might really be hormonal. When I talk to people and I say, look, think about it this way. When somebody goes through a sex change, they give them hormones. (laughs) And if you think about somebody being able to transition from a man to a woman or a woman to a man, and that's all done with hormones, you got to step back and have a little reverence for what hormones are capable of. So maybe you can address that. Lisa, when when women say hormones are dangerous, it's like, if you lost your hormones, you'd probably die in 15 minutes. (laughs) Oh, your hormones beat your heart. 
They maintain yeah. your rhythm. They tell you when you're thirsty, you're hungry. They put you to sleep. They, they run your metabolism. Cellular function becomes <laughs> abnormal. They create your immunity. Hormones help to really create your immunity along with lifestyle and along with enzymes. <laughs> so look, I think that our human potential is much, much greater than our 90 or 100 years. And when you were talking about dying, you know, that awareness that our life is finite brings an enormous compassion towards ourselves and others. May we live to be 120. May we actually be doing yoga or hiking or climbing or skiing or what we love to do at 120. <laughs> Suzanne Summers and I once said, oh, we're going to be hiking in the Alps or the Himalayas at 120. <laughs> and let's hope. Yeah. I'd love to join you. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're getting the group together. We're getting the group together now and you are on the list. <laughs> Please put me on that list. I would love that. I could go on and on and on. This has been so rich and so valuable. Even if a woman doesn't decide to go forward or she doesn't feel this is the right choice for her, you know, I, I would say to everybody, get your hormones checked. If you're feeling off and it's chronic, or if you're in your late, 30s or early 40s. It's important. It really is. And it can make a world of difference. It really can. Prudence, oh, I want you to have the last word. <laughs> well, I would just like to say that bioidentical hormones are just one way that we can treat menopause, mm -hmm. that there are supplements that are helpful. There's herbs and I love acupuncture. So there are many ways to modulate and guide the body. And I think what I'd like to end up saying, Lisa, is that the wisdom of the body, you know, this wild hearted body, this wild woman body. <laughs> I used to have a group called the wild woman, but this innate knowledge that's combined with the feminine sexuality, the feminine brain, the feminine heart that allows love to flow and creativity in our personal power. So much of that comes from being centered in the physical body, the physical body, which has to do with hormonal balance, however we want to get to it. And that when we do that, this radiance starts to shine through us. The radiance that I see in you whenever I talk with you, the radiance that I see in so many of my patients, and then their purpose becomes more defined. And what they want to do, whether it's simply just sitting and being and shining and affecting everyone around them, or maybe creating orphanages like my patients have once their hormones are balanced, or writing books about multicultural women or whatever, whatever, giving back our wisdom and having the vitality and the energy to do it. As a dating, top, top dating expert, you know that that Passionate radiance is one of the things that men look to us to help ignite in them, to give, you know, to be a complete, full-bodied, fully expressed, and a lot of that has to do with hormones. And dating successfully has to do with being in your body and being connected to the essence of who you are. And, you know, I see women meet and fall in love and find real love in their 40s, 50s, 60s. And I, my oldest client was 78 years old. So men are looking for our vibrancy, our femininity, and for women who are in their bodies. So this is one very important way of doing that. Prudence, can you tell everyone where to find you? Uh, Thefallcenter.com. Pretty easy. And your book, can you tell us the title of your book? Thank you. It's called Radiant, 
again and forever. So yeah. if you go to my website, thewholecenter.com, you can put your email in. We aren't going to bother you. We never sell it. You know, it's very private, but we download the book to you. So you get it in your email. So everybody can get it for free if they want. And it's wonderful. That's amazing. Prudence, I adore you. You are a living example of everything that you do, a pioneer in your field. And the world is really blessed to have you doing the work you do. So thank you so much. I know how you've changed my life. And I, I think Benjamin will attest to how you've changed his life. And I would not be who I am or where I am today without you. I can tell you that. So thank you with all my heart. Thank you. Thank you for your inspiration. Aww. <laughs>